0: thank you father for the opportunity to come to this pulpit one more time and i thank you for your wonderful holy spirit revelation that has touched us and blessed us and helped us so many times right here in this same spot there are people that are here today O god that need to hear from your word that need a touch of your spirit a touch of your healing grace and i ask you to move upon us O god with holy fervor that we will listen with intensity and hear with our heart and hear with our mind so that you can speak to us so that we can hear and learn and know God and how to serve Him in a better way. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. And everybody said amen. 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 Turn with me to Genesis chapter 3 if you'd like to read along. The Bible teaches about kings and kingdoms you know the famous line in the song kings and kingdoms will all pass away but there's something about that name kings and kingdoms in fact the bible knows nothing about democracy and knows nothing about uh, all of the theories of governance the bible only knows uh, one thing and that is about the lord jesus as head of his church head of his church now in order for us to understand about headship you've got to understand how that the divine right of kings ruled and uh acted and carried out things in other words there was one king and he pretty well did what he pleased and all of his subjects were loyal to him they fought battles they went through difficulties they built uh, cities and they defended city-states and did all of those things and the king as the head basically committed everybody that were under his rule now that's a biblical understanding of of kings and kingdoms in democracy we've got a, a safeguard against that in fact a king could actually declare war and all of his subjects declared war and fought the war also because the king was the head and they were his subjects and they uh, fought the wars and they went through the building, problem. whatever he his wishes were, his whims, his wishes were what they did. Now, we in the United States of America, we kind of guard against that because We've got Congress that has to re- declare war, so uh, I don't think we've declared war in about 70 years. You say, well, we've fought a whole lot. Yeah, we've fought a whole lot, but we've not formally declared any war. Oh, yeah, we've got war on terror, whoever that is. We've got all of these ambiguity go- going on when it, when it talks about headship and how a one person can speak for everybody. And in, like I say, in America, we keep that from happening because we've got, what's it called? Checks and balances. Now, I think that's what it's called. So that in other words, you've got to get this one and that one and that one and that one and that one to agree on something before you can do it. It's got to go to committee and then it's got to get out of committee and it's got to go to a department and the department's got to, and that, you get the picture, don't you? It's kind of complicated. But God has given us A wonderful blessing in the headship of the church that Jesus is Lord of the church and he is the head of the body which is the church amen praise God that's a wonderful thing isn't it the sad thing about that that situation headship is that in the beginning amen God created the heavens and God created the earth and also in that first chapter of Genesis, he gets down there to where he makes man in his image and in his likeness made he him. Male and female made he them. Praise the Lord. And God set about the order of family and home and all of the things that pertain to the kingdom work of God in uh, in that arrangement right there in the first chapter of the book of Genesis in fact there's two creations there's one uh, in first chapter and there's one in second chapter where the Bible said that God just reached down and got some dust and uh, breathed into the dust and the Bible said and man became a living soul and then God said dust thou art you know Dust thou art, made from the dust of the earth. And the Bible said God looked at the situation and, and he saw that man was alone. And God said, this is not good. Thank you, Jesus. Little humor there, just a little, yeah. Thank you, Jesus. And God looked at uh, the man said, you need a helpmate. You sweet little ladies, help me. Wow, praise the Lord. And I don't think you, you like that headship too much, but the Bible says the man was the head of the woman as Christ is the head of the church. Now that's not that he's any preferred or better. It's, it's just a role. That's the role. That's God's way of putting things together. Amen. And the Bible said that that she said, God said, bone of his bone, flesh of his flesh, and these twain shall be one flesh. Oh, hear that in those wedding ceremonies, don't we? So the natural order of thing is, is headship that God has this ability to arrange things and put things in perspective where that uh, we have headship. And in our families, there's headship. In our country, there's headship. And everywhere that we look, God has put headship in place so that there can be divine order. Amen. And he put headship in the church in the person of the Lord Jesus, the the head of the church, Lord of his church. Wow, that's all that might be a little bit confusing to you, but God does things through headship. God is the head of all things. God is the head of the universe. In fact, the Bible said He is before all things and that all things consist by Him. All things were made by Him. But there came a time, the Bible said, when God said, you're in this garden, And you can eat of every fruit, every tree in this garden. Feel free to eat whatever you want. You just take all the liberty eating, all of this that you want to. But there's one tree. And it's called the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And he said, in the 17th verse, he said, and the day that you eat of it, he said, you will surely die. Stay away from it. Stay away from it, amen, and don't eat of it because if you eat it, you will surely die. Now, how many of you know that God has boundaries and parameters? How do you you know that God puts these boundaries in our life? And he tells us that you enjoy life, but there's some things that you don't do. DON'T KILL ANYBODY, DON'T LIE, DON'T STEAL. SOUNDS LIKE TEN COMMANDMENTS. THE MORAL LAWS OF GOD, THE ETHICAL LAWS THAT GOVERN ALL OF US. AMEN. There, THERE'S SOME THINGS THAT ARE UNETHICAL. THAT MEANS YOU JUST DON'T TREAT PEOPLE LIKE THAT. THERE'S SOME THINGS THAT ARE UNSOCIAL. YOU JUST DON'T ACT LIKE THAT WAY WHEN YOU'RE IN A CROWD. You don't get in a crowded building and holler fire just to see everybody run. You can't do that because that's stepping over a boundary. It's an unethical thing to do. It's an unsocial thing to do. God always has these boundaries and these limitations about what we can and what we cannot do. And he often tells us what the penalty is if we do those things, right? right you got it ready for me to put up there chapter 3 Genesis 1 through 13 the serpent was more subtle serpent where did that come from Jumped like I saw a snake did you see a snake the serpent who in the world is the serpent the Bible said he was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. Well, I wonder where Adam's at in all of this. How in the world did Eve get wandering off somewhere where she'd run up on a snake? Adam, where are you? God said, "I'm over here hid in the bushes. Why are you hid? Because I'm naked." And I, I got scared and I, I was afraid, and I told Eve that if we would sew some fig leaves together, we'd make some clothes and cover ourselves up because we're naked. And God said, "Who told you that you were naked?" SO HE DID WHAT EVERY SMART HUSBAND WOULD DO. EVE MADE ME DO IT. SHE BROUGHT IT TO ME. SHE GOT OUT AND HUNTED ME UP AND FOUND ME TO GIVE IT TO ME. COME ON, ADAM, MY LORD. YOUR WIFE BEEN OUT TALKING TO SNAKES? You better keep up with that woman better than what you're doing. She's out talking to snakes. Well, he said, the the, the woman did it. And, well, Eve, what's your excuse? The snake made me do it. And God said, what have you done? What have you done? Keep going with me, sweetie. And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden. Next verse. But of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God said, You shall not eat it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. Well, now, wait a minute, Eve. I think you have embellished the story a little bit. God said, Don't eat it. He didn't say, Don't touch it. You know, a lot of people like to add to what God says. A lot of people like to kind of embellish the story. A lot of people would like to make God out to be a little more than what he really is when it comes to judgment and condemnation and and that kind of thing. And she said, well, said the serpent did it and he, he, But of the fruit of that tree, don't drink it. God hath said, ye shall not eat it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. The touch it part just kind of got added in there. Editorial. Next verse. Serpent said to the woman, said, uh, well, you know, you shall not surely die. Now, what's that say? That means God has lied. You will not die. God said you would die, but you will not die. Next verse. He said, for God doth know that in the day that you eat thereof, then your eyes will be opened and ye shall be as a God, knowing good and evil. In other words, God's holding you back. Brother, you could really be somebody if it wasn't for God. You could really enjoy life and have a good time if it wasn't for God. You could really go places and be somebody if God wasn't holding you back. God doth know that in that day that you eat, God's got an ulterior motive. Here's what the snakes say. This is a snake talking. You listening? The snake is telling her, don't pay any attention to what God's, Boundary lines and don't pay any attention to what God tells you because you will not surely die. He knows the day that you eat that fruit, you're going to be a God like him. And he won't be big man on campus anymore. And you'll be able to do what he does. Kind of always been that way, hadn't it? then your eyes will be opened; You shall be as God's, knowing good and evil. Next verse. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired. Now, what does that sound like? Let's go with those three things. And that it was pleasant to the eyes. What are those three things that the Bible talks about? The lust of the eyes lust of the flesh did somebody say hey way to go amen i'm so glad you got that lust of the flesh lust of the eyes the tree was good for food that that's my my flesh because my flesh loves food likes it that's the flesh lust of the flesh the food and then it was pleasant to the eyes that's the lust of the eyes and then there's a tree that is to be desired to make somebody wise what's that sound like pride of life way to go praise god i'm proud of you guys pride of life those three things it's it's the same three things as jesus in matthew 4 and 4 when he was on the mount of temptation and the devil said to jesus he said here are some stones why don't you just command that they be made bread and you can eat. You must be hungry out here in the wilderness like this. No food. Here's some food. Why don't you command these stones be made bread and eat them? What's that? Lust of the flesh. Took him up on top of a high place and said, look out there and see all these kingdoms of the world. If you would just cooperate I would give you all of that what's that lust of the eyes next commandment he said why don't you just throw yourself on the ground and worship me what's that I'll give you the whole world if you'll just bow down and worship me pride of life are you seeing that hey Listen to me. That's all he's got. That's all he's got. Amen. That's all he's got. Next verse. And the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. Next verse. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife. Hid themselves from the presence of the Lord amongst the trees of the garden. Next verse. And the Lord called out to Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? Now that's the first question that was ever asked to mankind about the matter of redemption and sin. And he said, I'm hid next verse and he said i heard your voice and i was afraid because i was naked and i hid i was afraid where does fear come from i was afraid i, I, I did wrong I, I, I sinned and i i knew that i had done wrong what's that called conviction conviction Boy, are you following a pattern here somebody seeing what's going on here And God, who who told you that you was naked? Have you eaten of that tree whereof I commanded thee that you should not eat? Next verse. And the man said, The woman whom thou gavest to me me to be with me, to be with me, to be with me, gave me of the tree and I did eat. Next verse. And the Lord said unto the woman, What is this that you've done? And the woman said, The serpent beguiled me, and I did eat. Next verse. And the Lord God said unto the serpent, Because you have done this, thou art cursed above all cattle, above every beast of the field. Upon thy thy belly shalt thou go, and the dust that shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. That's the curse upon the serpent. And he's still crawling on his belly, isn't he? Still paying the consequences. Next verse. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed and it shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his heel. Now, what is he speaking of right here? Who is it that's going to do that to the serpent? The Lord Jesus is going to do that. This is what is called first mention. This is the first mention of redemption in the Bible. This is the first place that you find that there is a redemptive provision. The first place you find Jesus mentioned in Scripture is right here. And it's called the proto-evangelium. It means first mention. First mention. Praise God. I want you to know When God told that snake, Jesus is going to bust your head. You think you're you're going to make things terrible for the woman. Terrible for the woman. But said, Jesus is going to bruise your head. Hallelujah. Keep going. Let's read some more. Enmity between them unto the woman he said i will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception in sorrow thou shalt bring forth children and thy desire shall be to thy husband and he shall rule over thee headship headship now why do we have colds why do we get sick why do we have covid why do we have cancer? Why do we have heart trouble? Why do we have all of these maladies? Why do we have hospitals? Why do we have surgeons? And why do we have insurance policies? And because Adam sinned. And when Adam sinned, as our federal head, we all went with him. So when Adam sinned, we all sinned. And when Adam died, we all died. Because we lost some things in that garden that day. Number one, we lost eternal life. Boy, can you believe we were stupid enough, our federal head was stupid enough, to lose eternal life? not just eternal life but perpetual health there was no sickness in the garden there was no covid in the garden there was no cancer there was no tuberculosis there was none of those things no high blood pressure no a-fib no nothing no nothing and we lost all of that the reasons there's thorns and briars and thistles is because the ground is cursed Because all the hurt, the pain, the sorrow, nation against nation, all that goes on that is bad, that's hurtful, that's sorrowful, that's, that's painful, all of that is because of the fall. And we can't say that's God's fault because God said everything else, I'll provide for you well. You, you've got everything in the garden Why are we drawn to the things God says don't fool with? Why is it that we seem to be challenged by what God says no to? Why is it that we start trying to find a way to get around when God says no? It's the human part of us. It's that nature that we inherited from Adam. And if there were no antidote for that, we would be, of all people, very miserable. But I I want to tell you there's an antidote for the fall. There is an answer God has to the fall. Because God will not be defeated in His eternal purpose. God will not be defeated in his plan. He will not be defeated. Did he know about that before it happened? Yep. Because he knows all of eternity. He knows all of the history, but he not only knows the history, he knows the future. And he knows right now what's going on in every heart, in every mind, in every family, in every person sitting in this room. Everybody knows all about it. I said he knows all about it. Knows all about it. And the Bible said, under the woman, he said, "I will multiply thy sorrow and thy conception, and sorrow thou shalt bring forth children." Girls, don't you wish that crazy Adam hadn't have fell in the garden? There would be no delivery rooms there would be no midwives somebody's looking at me grinning and I know why she's grinning she said pastor you mean there's a way we can get out of that (laughs) no I'm sorry I don't I don't know a way to get out of that but all all of that is because of the fall and because we lost something. We lost eternal life. That means it's appointed unto man once to die. That means that for every one of us, we are cursed. And the wages of sin is death. Boy, I wish it wasn't that way, don't you? I wish we could have stayed in that garden. Got a Madison Square Garden up there in New York. I think they play some basketball up there, don't they? Gardens are good places. Jack's got a garden, and boy, he grows some great tomatoes. And it's just about time. Some of you got great gardens, and everything from watermelons, everything going on—okra, beans. Good things happen in the garden. How in the world could we do something so crazy? How did our federal head do something so crazy? And the Bible said, For by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin. Wow. Well, let's leave that dismal, gloomy, despairing picture of getting kicked out of the garden and turn over to Romans chapter 5 and verse 12 for me, please. Romans chapter 5, verse 12. This dualism that Paul has going on here is a contrast. He's got one man. He says one man is disobedient. And that man is the one that brought sin and death into the world. His name is Adam. And I wanna tell every one of you, he's our daddy. Oh, okay. you didn't like that. I just talked about how stupid he was, and then I told him it was your daddy. <laughs> well, unfortunately, he was all of our daddy. And the Bible said, In Adam all die. In Adam you lose. In Adam you lose. But there's one far superior to Adam. There's one far superior to Adam. His name is Jesus. And he's the only begotten Son of the Father. He is God's gift. God's gift to reverse the curse. Somebody say, reverse the curse. (laughs) Reverse the curse. Wherefore, as by one man, sin entered into the world. Adam, the one man that sin entered into the world and all of its consequences. By one man, sin entered into the world and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men for that all men have sinned. Wow. Boy, sin's got a big price tag on it, doesn't it? I've told you before, sin will always cost you more than you want to pay. Sin will always take you further than you want to go. Sin will always keep you longer than you want to stay. Sin is always... A consequence of terrible things brings about terrible things because of sin we're talking about the loss of eternal life and we're finding out right now how death got into this picture and it got into this picture because one man brought sin into the world and death by sin so death passed upon all men for all of sin next verse For unto the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. So from the time of Adam up until Moses, there was no law. But the Bible said death reigned. That meant there was no Savior. That meant there was no redemption. That meant there there was no salvation. There was no way there. To get out of the predicament that they were in and death reigned. Are you seeing what I'm saying? When you don't have the resurrection and the life, who is the Lord Jesus, then death reigns. Oh, you didn't get that. When there is no resurrected Jesus, then death reigns. But where there is a resurrected Jesus, death is defeated. And the grave is defeated. Well, I'm about to shout now, praise the Lord. You're not not shouting near as well as I'm preaching, I'll tell you that much. For unto the law was in the world, sin was not imputed. Because sin is transgression of the law. But if there's no law been revealed as yet, then there's no sin. And death reigns, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus. Next verse. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam unto Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who is the figure of him that was to come. Next verse. Be not as the offense. Now notice the contrast right here. We've got two contrasting things. One man and another man. One man has brought sin. One man's brought death. Listen to it. But not as the offense, so it also is the free gift. Oh, there's a gift in this thing. Hallelujah. You mean, pastor, we're all going to get something? You better believe it. Everybody's got a gift. Are you ready to get your gift? The free gift, don't cost you anything, free gift. For if through the offense of one, who is that? Adam. One. Many be dead. Be dead. All of those from Adam to Moses, many be dead. Much more, I'm glad that much more is there, aren't you? Much more the grace of God and the gift by grace which is by one man, Jesus Christ hath abounded unto many. I'm talking to you about the one and the many. The many, that be dead. Much more the grace of God and the gift of God, which is by one man, Jesus Christ. So then when Jesus came, he said, we're going to deal with this issue of death. We're going to once and for all settle the issue by the giving graciously of the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus. So making peace. Wow. That's fantastic that Jesus Christ, the one man who brought life, hath abounded unto many. What does abound mean? More than is necessary. Right? So what that means is there's more grace than there is sin. That means the amount of God's forgiveness is greater than the sins committed. Buddy, somebody ought to be running these aisles, shouting hallelujah, that God's grace is greater than all the sin that is in the world. That the grace of God superabounds. It is superabounding grace. That means it is abundantly above all of the sins of the whole world. Can you imagine that? That's so powerful. Next verse, please. And not as if it was told by one that sinned, so is the gift. For the judgment was by one to condemn, but the free gift is of many offenses unto justification. What does that mean? Acquittal. I said acquittal. Acquittal. The verdict in the former was guilty. But when Jesus gave you the gift, boy, you guys aren't getting this. The first verdict that came out was guilty. But you got a gift. And the gift is not guilty. The gift is Satan, you don't have a case. Woo! Joel, I need you to come up here and take this microphone, explain this to these people so they can understand that he got a gift. He was guilty. The verdict was guilty, but the gift of God's grace was superabounding in the fact that the slate was wiped clean and there was no more sin. He was acquitted. In other words, not guilty. Well, let's read one more. For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more, they which receive the abundance of grace, they who receive the superabounding grace, everybody that's saved in this room have received superabounding grace. That means more than enough. For every one of us who have received the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one headship. Who's reigning? Read it on the board. Who's reigning? Who is the head? I think I'll stand here and wait till you shout. (laughs) Because that ought to make you shout. That means you don't have to go to hell. That means you don't have to dread and worry and shake and tremble about facing God. You don't have to do that. Why? Because God gave you the gift, free gift of grace insomuch that forgiveness was so superabounding That in God's courtroom you got acquitted. Where was it over in Colossians that you found that? I think it was last Wednesday night. We got to looking for it. Where's Cheryl at? Where's Rita at? Rita, find that for me again Wednesday night, y'all. Colossians chapter 2 is where it is, I'll just tell you. Colossians chapter 2. When, I believe it's the 13th verse, see if you can find that for me. Is that what it was? That's it. If you can put that up there for me, Colossians chapter 2, verse 13. Could get you to shout while we're waiting on that machine to work up there. Mike could have a victory march around here. And you being dead dead me dead yeah dead in what trespasses and in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh hath he quickened we know where that language comes from don't we quicken means to make alive you who were dead in your sins And in the uncircumcision, that means you're outside the covenant. Circumcision has to do with covenant. You were outside the covenant. That meant the promise of God didn't include you. When you were lost and you were dead in trespasses and in sin, you weren't living in covenant with God. Therefore, you had no promise of God. You have he quickened together with him, quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. Buddies Wow. Do you see what you're reading from the Word of God? It says you have been forgiven, All of your trespasses the things that kept you awake worrying about at night he says don't worry about that no more the things that you used to fear don't worry don't be afraid of that anymore the things you used to dread the things that used to cause you anxiety don't do that anymore because all of your trespasses, having forgiven you all of your trespasses. If I didn't preach another lick today, my Lord, you heard the greatest sermon I could preach to you. So when you walk in the door back at home and somebody asks you, well, what'd you learn at church today? I say, I learned that all of my trespasses have been forgiven me. And you being dead in your sin in the earth and circumcision, hath he quickened together with him. That means he's given you life like he received life in the tomb. That means that you have been raised just like he was raised to newness of life. The devil set you back in the old nature and Adam set you back in the, the, the old man, the man of sin, and the man of death but you've got a new head now did you see it who rules and who reigns and you said I got you to say it his name is Jesus I got you to say it didn't I and now you're learning that because he is the head because he is the head I now have forgiveness for all of my transgressions all of my sins are under the blood of the Lord Jesus they're gone forever as far removed as darkness is from life in the sea of God's forgetfulness that's good enough for me praise God my sins are gone hallelujah washed 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 in the blood of the Lord Jesus our trespasses are gone Next verse up there, please. Blotting out. Did you know God's got a blotter? Blotting out the handwriting of ordinances. I need to let Joel lecture a little bit about that part right there. That's what the plaintiff brings to the court. the handwriting of ordinances that's against you. We're going to have to get you a lawyer because somebody has showed up at Judge Laird's courtroom and said, I have got a matter against him and him and her and him. He said, just make it a collective group. I'll just say they're everyone guilty. What is your complaint? Well, sin is the issue. Transgression of the law of God is the issue. These folks been running around sinning, talking to snakes. And the judge of all. The Bible calls him the righteous judge. Come on somebody it's good to get a righteous judge because if you don't get a righteous judge you mm, uh, you can read the rest of that but this matter got blotted out it didn't even get on the docket we never even struck a jury We didn't even hear the case because it got blotted out, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us. All the accusations, the Bible calls him the accuser of the brethren. All of his accusations, Susan, the judge, the righteous judge of the quick and the dead threw it out before he could ever even read his complaint. the judge took his blotter and blotted it off of the docket and said, you don't have a case. Blotting out the handwriting, the list that was handed to the judge of all, and it was against us, which was contrary to us. What did the court and what did God do with all of my sins and that list that he had in his hand, he took it out of the way and then he nailed it to his cross. You ain't gonna shout, I am. Blotted it out and took it out of the way. Sue, I don't think these people understand the enormity of what I'm talking about. Life ain't worth living if you don't know that right there. If I didn't know that right there, there's no way I'd walk out of this building today. If I didn't know that right there, you couldn't hold me back from this altar. I would be here quicker than I could get out of my seat and run down that aisle. Why is that, Pastor? Because that, that right there, that right there, means that you can live a life free from fear you can live a life free from dread and worry you don't have to pray that little old mamby pamby stuff at night when you go to bed now lord if i've done anything just say lord i know my sins have been blotted out by the power of the lord jesus i'm about to go to sleep and i'm going to sleep and get rest devil i'm going to shut this bedroom door you stay out here don't you come in You'll be there tomorrow when I get up, I'm going to bed and go to sleep. Because I know in whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. If you've committed it to Jesus, then he's plotted it out, he's taken it out of the way, and he nailed it to his cross. who is your head Jesus is my head he's the Lord of all things he's the heir of all things he's the creator of all things and he rules and he reigns as the head of his church oh blessed be God death hath no power death hath no power nailing our sins to His cross hmm I just need to think about that a little bit isn't that awesome isn't that awesome next time the devil tells you that you're guilty and you're no good and gives you all that runaround say listen you came too late to tell me too late to tell me pastors already told me the real story I know the real truth. I got it out of God's Word. And God cannot lie. Put the next verse up there and see if we can shout some more. And having spoiled principalities and powers, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. everything I've been fighting against. God tells me Jesus has already spoiled all those plans. He's already spoiled all of those schemes and devices. He's already spoiled all of those strategies. Wow. And he made a show of them openly triumphing over them. I'm preaching about the powerful Christ this morning. I don't know about you. I'm preaching about our head. I'm preaching about the one that takes care of us, that watches over us, that's forgiven us, that's cleansed us, that's given us new life. spoiled them openly, triumphing over them in it. Next verse. Let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink or in respect of a holy day or of a new moon or of a Sabbath day. What's he talking about? He's talking about let people judge you and let them determine your happiness for you. God just gave you the whole Kit and caboodle of redemption, and he said, "Now don't let people spoil that. Don't let somebody rain on your parade. Don't let somebody come along that's got some new revelation." Oh, I've got these these folks that are all the time calling me, telling me, "I, I wish you care to ride, ride over with me and hear Doctor Bottle Stopper." Uh, talk about this new revelation they've got about this and that no I don't care about going here that. Well would you like to go over here to Dr. Clem Cadiddlehopper and uh, let him explain to you how the Noahic Covenant uh, uh, had this uh, epistemological anthropomorphism about no, I don't need to go do that. <laughs> do, 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 do. All I need to know is I once was lost, but now I'm found. I once was blind, but now I see. I once was on my way to a devil's hell, but today I'm on my way to heaven. So I don't need to hear about a new new way or a newfangled nuance. I know it's by the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, that we're cleansed and washed and made new creatures in Christ that were resurrected to walk in newness of life. Praise God. Hallelujah. And I'm walking in the light of what I know about the head, and that's Jesus. Come on, Olivia. They're bound to be getting tired because I am. And you, Ephesians 2, Verse 1, and you hath he quickened. You hath he made alive, who used to be dead. Anybody here used to be dead? I used to be dead. I used to be dead. And you hath he quickened, who were dead in sins. Sin will kill you. Next verse. Wherein in times past. Now this is our condition under Adam. In times past, we walked according to the course of this world. We just kind of went along with the crowd. Whatever sin they were doing, we just joined right in. Whatever culture believed, we just said amen. We just kind of blended in, became part of everybody. We walked according to the course of the world. We acted like the world, dressed like the world, talked like the world, Might as well say we were the world. According to the course of the world, according to the prince of the power of the air, who's that? That's the devil. The prince and the power of the air is the devil. And his spirit now works in the children of disobedience. Now, who is the guy that was disobedient that got us in this mess? God. You got it. Next verse amongst whom also we all talked about and had in our conversation our behavior, the way we acted, our attitudes in times past in the lust of our flesh. It's kind of who we were back then, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of our mind. And we were by nature the children of wrath, children of wrath. In other words, we were judgment-bound even as others. Hold your breath. You ready? Next verse. But God. But God, who is rich in mercy. Brother, my heavenly Father has got riches and mercy. From everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. His mercy endures forever. But God, who is rich in mercy for His great love, wherewith He loved us? He loved us. Why would God care to offer redemption and forgiveness of sin to us? us? He loved us. He loved us. He loved us. NEXT VERSE, EVEN WHEN WE WERE DEAD, EVEN WHEN I WAS LOST, EVEN WHEN I WAS UNCONVERTED, EVEN WHEN I WASN'T GOING TO CHURCH, I WASN'T WORSHIPPING GOD, I WASN'T SINGING A SONG, I WASN'T READING MY BIBLE, I WAS JUST SORRY. EVEN WHEN I WAS LOST, WHEN I WAS DEAD IN SIN, Jesus came and brought me life. He quickened me. I was dead and He quickened me. That means He made me alive. Made me alive. Isn't that powerful? And He quickened us together with Christ. And look at what the redactors and the editors put out there in parentheses: By grace ye are saved. That's what the monks put in there when they was translating that, they got so carried away with that new way of life, they said, let us put something in the Bible here also. So they took some parentheses and put them in there and said, by grace you are saved. Now you've wondered all this time what them parentheses are doing in there. That's what the redactors and the editors added. Next verse. And hath raised us up. When Adam fell, we fell. When Adam sinned, we sinned. When Adam died, we died. When Jesus was quickened, we were quickened. When Jesus was raised, we were raised. Come on, somebody. I'm talking to you about headship. I'm talking about being the people of God. I'm talking to you about our headship, who is the Lord Jesus. And he says it right there. We were raised up together with our head, and we were made to sit together with our head in heavenly places we sat with him and sit with him today in Christ Jesus why do we sit in that heavenly place put it on that screen for me that in the ages to come he might show the riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus and one of the great verses of the Bible you need to know it before we go home next one for by grace are you saved through faith. By grace, God's grace, unearned, unmerited grace, superabounding grace that covers it all. Not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Isn't that great? The gift, that gift of grace, that forgives us of all of our trespasses. Brother, if I was you, I'd write that down, nail it on the door. I'd put it on the steering wheel. Everywhere I got it, got, I'd, I'd put that up there. Forgiven us who has forgiven us all of our trespasses. Well, my time is gone. Thank you for yours. But I'd like to ask you before we leave here today, Have you had all of your trespasses forgiven? If you're here today and you've not had your trespasses forgiven, the Bible says, ask and you shall receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened unto you. And here's another one that you can take to the bank. Jesus said, whatsoever things you ask in my name, I will do it. I will do it. Stand with me, please.